Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I am Alexis Cubitt, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal High School Sports Writer. And as always, I'm joined by KLBK Sports Director Ryan King. Ryan, we're in week 11 of football action. It's crazy to think we've already had three district, three district champions rather. We'll get into that shortly, um, as well as a jam-packed week of football this Friday. And it's not just football this Friday. We have volleyball playoffs going and we have girls basketball starting. So if you see us with coffee, <laughs> that's why. Uh, we'll start off with those district champions, like I mentioned Um uh, it's just the interesting thing about them is they all kind of got to these places taking different journeys. So you have Shallow Water, who was undefeated throughout the whole season, still struggled with some things, um, but it didn't affect their record. You have Estacado, who we've talked about on more than one occasion, having a really tough non-district schedule, even had that bump on the road against Borger, uh, but come back comes back to win the district or at least have a share of it, depending on what teams this would do. And then you have um, Smyer, who won their first 11-man district championship and their first overall district championship since 1993. And then Borden County, who pocketed district championship number 13, are Kansas of Texas high school football. Um, And then they have a chance to make that undefeated coming into this week when they go to Wellman Union. I guess out of those four, who have you been the most impressed by in terms of just overall resumes and performances this season by the way i know we always call them uh kansas men's basketball of you know our area of board and but just to get us each involved we could call them the ou football or baylor women's basketball just point that yeah there are, true. There are other things you know just very true throwing that out there um okay so here's the thing obviously the most impressive is borden county but i'm going to take them out of it because they're always very impressive and they can always <laughs> win the championships so, and I, I still don't even think this is totally not the most impressive team. I'm going to go with shallow water because we've talked about what they were last year versus this year. They weren't bad, but no one could have anticipated with the, with the young talent they had coming in this year that they would have done this. Now, still good for Estacado to get that district title. You cannot minimize that. They've been through a lot this year, that Estacado team has. Right. But the one negative thing I will say is that it's not a super tough district. So someone has to win it. Uh, Borden County, like I said, I'm, I am impressed by. Smyre is just really awesome because anytime someone does something for a first time, and, you know, I, I view it as their first district title ever. I know they won it in six-man, but, like, it's different when you go to 11-man. Like, that is, that is just different. But even if you do count in six-man, I mean, literally, 1993 was the year we were born, so we were less than one year old when they last right. won. But it's really cool to see them playing so well and doing so well the season with with a game to go mind you against ropes but you got to go shallow water that's not tough the games they play are not easy they do not have an easy schedule they have denver city they have abernathy they have tough teams they're going against and they are one game away from not only winning the district which because they've already won that but a perfect season for the the second or the a perfect regular season for the second time in three years two district titles in three years that is not easy to do no matter who you're playing but they've had a tough schedule Coach Wood has really built something, and I really think they are one of the stories this year. I remember coming into this year, you and I talked about it, and we, we mentioned it many times early in the year. The two teams I really thought were going to surprise people were Sundown and Roosevelt. I think Roosevelt, for the most part, has done that. They're mm-hmm. 
only one loss heading into their last game district championship on the line, which probably many people didn't think that was going to happen. And Sundown has been good, not great, but still good. They could make a run in the playoffs like they did last year. But the, the real surprise, and not because we thought they'd be bad, but just so much better than you anticipate is shallow water. And it's re- honestly really impressive what I've seen from them. I think the thing that has uh, stood out to me the most, and I actually read about it in my column. So if you're listening to this, it's coming out on Tuesday. My column is in the paper and online. Shameless plug there. Um, the thing about shallow water is that, like, you'll look at the record and see, okay, well, they didn't win any games. They're blowing people out. You know, this wasn't a hard thing for them. But when you look at, you know, they have the win over Abernathy. Um, they have quite a few good wins. They, I mean, the Childress one, I was really looking forward to that, but obviously different things happened, so they weren't able to play them. Uh, that's nobody's fault. That's just how the season has gone. But you take into account, they had their own struggle with COVID-19. So they had to play, you know, be out for two weeks. So you just never know how that affects the psyche of players um, and that sort of thing. And they lose Josh easily for the whole year uh, with an ACL tear who was the heart and soul of the offense last year. Um, those are two pretty big hits. Yeah. Even the way that they played against Denver City, yes, they gave up, you know, 20 points or however many points it was, and that's something that they definitely improved the next two games. But just the fact that, you know, they didn't allow that to snowball. They still – because, like, let's be clear, Mario Sanchez is a player for Denver City. Uh, He's extremely talented, and he very well – if it had been any other team, I think they could have beaten them. But just the fact that Shalabar showed that grit and that – just that drive to be able to, to come back or not come back. Cause they never really gave up the lead, but to yeah. give up the lead. I think that showed a lot of character. Um, their motto unshaken is obviously a really big thing this season. Um, but like you mentioned, obviously it's huge for people like Smyre, who's kind of doing something for the first time. And by the way, last year was coach Funky's first year there. They won six games. They're at six games. Now the last time they had a winning record, um, according to the site that I like to look at, which is not always right, so I'll have to check with this. The last time I saw they had a winning record was like 2003 or four. Wow. Um, so they had a lot of one-win, two-win seasons. Uh, but for the fact that he came in, you know, an offensive coordinator from Venus and won six games his first year, yeah. a team that had not reached that point in quite some time is impressive. So it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that they got to this point. I feel like Smyers kind of – like, we kind of overlook them sometimes um, just oh. because, you know what I mean? We don't really, like, look at that district too much. Um, but for them to win it, it's Dan. You know, so no, it's not a bad team. They're a little off this year because they lost a ton um, and they had some injuries. But that was a really, really good win. Um, and then, like we talked about, Estacado being able to, um, you know, just bounce back from some things. I just – I don't know. I just really like all the different storylines for each team and, and they're getting there. And like we mentioned, Borden County, obviously having uh, a sustained amount of success. Uh, it's just, it's fun to watch, especially in this season where there's just so much mm-hmm. you know, turmoil and emotional uncertainty. Um, it's just nice for that. Yeah. Smire, you're exactly right. I felt bad when I make the schedule each week, usually on Sundays or Mondays, of where we're going to shoot, who we're going to show in our KLBK Blitz show each week. And I noticed last week Smyre was uh, taking on Sudan. And it was – it just hit me. I was like, 
we have not shown Smire all year. Like it's, I, I think exactly what you're saying. Like there's something about them we just overlook, and it's it's not fair to them. Like they've been playing well, but there is just something about we don't highlight them as much as we probably should. Um, but it is really cool to say. That. I think Coach Funky's really he's got something going. I mean, you you look at that success over two years, and I think this team can go a couple rounds deep in the playoffs. I really do. I mean, they're they're a talented bunch. It's really cool for that community. When you when you mention it, our jobs are to see all the teams in the area, see who's doing well. And even to us, for most of this season, they were overlooked. Imagine to the average fan, the average person out there, they, they have no idea what Smyre's doing. Yeah. Um, so I think they can still surprise a lot of people, and it's nice to be able to put a spotlight on them. But uh, they are a fun team. It was a big win uh, and really cool to see them, you know, get that get that victory over – I mean, over a sedan team, like you mentioned, they're not as good as they were last year, but they're not a bad team. Like, that's, right. that's a good win, a good team that you have to beat – to get to that district title, to win that district title. And they still have ropes this week. Who's been one of the stories of the year, obviously moving up to 11, man. Mm -hmm. um, but if they can, if they can win that one, yeah, they're going to finish with a pretty good record. And I, I do think I agree with you. All the district winners have their own storylines and they are all really fun. When you look at Smyre specifically though, I, I agree. And I, I think this is with everyone out there. I, I'd include us in there. We probably have not given them as much of a spotlight as they've deserved. Ethan Ramirez is one of the, the top rushers in the area too so we get them that way but I think the thing too like I think the thing that really kind of I mean I hadn't noticed them before but I think the thing that really kind of raised an eyebrow was their win over Bovina mm -hmm. Bovina is a, a good program and that was pretty huge but when you look at they're six and three right now they're only lost in a wink only has one loss Old, very well could be in first place had they not had to forfeit the game against Panhandle and New Deal, enough said. <laughs> yeah. And that was first game of the year. Like, right. New Deal's already pretty good, but factor is the first game of the year, and then, you know, that's, that's all – a lot of things going against Smire in that one. Yeah, exactly. So, they'll have a chance to finish out um, with an undefeated district title this week when they go to ropes. Speaking of, this is probably – I don't know if we'll have another week this jam-packed with just yeah. quality games – Mm -hmm. So I wish we could have spread them out a little more because yes. I'm trying to get to everyone. Yes. Um, but I think as far as top 10 matchups and this rivalry has just become so much fun is Wichita Falls Ryder and Lubbock Cooper. Ryder is currently ranked number eight, Cooper mm -hmm. number nine. Uh, we know how those games have gone in the past. Admittedly, the regional finals wasn't as fun after like, the third quarter because <laughs> yep. Cooper just ran away from it. But I think you're going to see that same level of intensity and in competition this week. The loser's out, Alexis. Loser's out of the top ten. That's the – you know, they're eight and nine. <laughs> right. Loser's getting bounced. Um, but it's – I remember – and this is – I have not talked to Coach Darden this week yet. But I remember last year talking to him uh, before their regular season game against Ryder, mm -hmm. and it was, hey, this team knocked us out of the playoffs – we know it's going to be a good game. They win. And then they knew that it was going to come again. They knew that they would face Ryder again in the playoffs. And they did. And you were right. Early on, it was like, wow, Cooper's the better team, but they're not making plays. They they can't quite get in the end zone. Maybe Ryder's going to – and then ultimately, yeah, Cooper kind of ran away with it. Um, but this always is a game that has so much on the line. And for Cooper, who – they don't feel like the same team as last year, and they've started off kind of slow. Mm -hmm. For a team that has not looked super impressive the first few weeks, they have the same record at this point as they did last year at this point. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. So they finished last year nine and one. They're currently uh, uh, five and one, I believe. They're five and one. Four. So they're over halfway through the year. I don't think they've had their buy yet. I think they're five and one. Are they? Does that sound right? I think I think they're four four and one. No, okay. So they had they're they, they beat Caprock, lost to Coronado. Yeah, because they they will beat Andrews, lost to Coronado. Beat Friendship, beat Randall, beat Plainview. So they're four and one. And they beat Caprock. Oh, okay. So five and one. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that ultimately at the end of the day, all that matters is your record. Mm-hmm. And this team has the same record through six weeks as they did last year. And you, they are clearly getting better from those first two to three games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this Ryder game is going to tell us a lot. If they go, out, they, they go out and win this game, we are talking about a very different Cooper game. Now, if they lose, I don't think we're saying, oh, Cooper's not the same. They're done. No. But if they win, we could be looking down a very serious season for Cooper. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that uh, – the main thing was just to get that run game going, which is something you don't always see in the bigger schools. Um, you see a lot of, you know, like Coronado, Monterey, Lubbock High, you know, they all throw the ball. Uh, friendship throws the ball. But for them to have – and that's not saying that Lubbock Cooper doesn't throw the ball. It's just that they rely on – more of their run game, which is how you're able to get two Division One signees in one season um, from the same team, from the same position. Um, I think a lot of that has to – well, Coach Darden would attribute it to their offensive line. They have some very large young men <laughs> yeah. there, and that makes it a lot easier, whereas, you know, some other schools might have some guys playing on the line that maybe are, are skill players by design, um, but somebody's got to do it. They have guys that are just built as linemen, and that helps to just enable some of those runs um, because they'll tell you. I, I'm pretty sure everybody, at least for the coaches in our area that have played against them, they'll talk about that front and how physical they are and how that will be the challenges there in the trenches on the line, you know, controlling that line of scrimmage. And I think that has a lot to do with the success that they've been able to have. Um, but on the other hand – Ryder, I don't think lost much. Um, they get back their Division One Virginia commit quarterback and Jacob Rodriguez, who sat out against Coronado uh, for games like this. And I think that's what makes this rivalry so fun is that you honestly don't know who's going to win. Like yeah. you could literally make like some games you say that to be politically correct, but this game you really don't know who's going to win because you have a Cooper defense that very well could <laughs> help them win state. But then you also have a Ryder offense that, like I said, didn't really lose anybody. And that is just top tier and has gotten a lot better this year. So I think that will be very interesting. Another rivalry is Idaho at Roosevelt, which will be for the district championship. Idaho obviously undefeated on the season right now. They have a chance to win it outright. If Roosevelt wins, then things get really weird because we'll have Idaloo with a loss to Roosevelt, who has a loss to Abernathy, who has lost to Idaloo. I, just for the sake of chaos and drama, would love for that to happen because then it gets, like I said, just gets weird. And I don't know, maybe we'll go, uh, was that Friday Night Lights where they do the coin flip for a seat spot? They, they did the coin flip, I believe it was for uh, where the game would be held, right? Yeah. It was, it was where the game... 
that would be – I'm sure there's some tiebreaker of points scored, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But you're right. Simultaneously, it's like, man, Idolu should just win it because they've looked the most impressive, just easy. But it would be pretty fun for Roosevelt one and just see what would happen as far as seeding. Who would, wouldn't it be wild if somehow Abernathy came back to win some tiebreaker and won the district? Wouldn't that be insane? I think that would be apropos because we looked at Abernathy and we're like, oh, they're not the same, you know, this and the other. Um, and they somehow got it in 2020 with all this craziness. Right. I was going to say, but the thing is, the record is not too far off. From, they only have two losses on two or three losses on the season, I think. They have lost to Shallow Water. They've lost to Idaloo and maybe one more. Uh, two. Not. They have Shallow Water. I think they have three losses. But okay, I excuse me. I'm sorry. They lost to Post. That's right. So it's three. Yeah, they've got Post, Shallow Water. And Idaloo. Yeah, so they're, so they're probably – and they haven't had any games canceled, right? Mm-mm. Okay, and they, so they're, so they're not – I mean, with the exception, they didn't play Shalwar last year. Um, but with that exception, they're not too far off from what they usually do. Um, and I'm sure if we go back to, you know, when Coach Daly first started before he retired, they probably had a similar record. It's just a matter of yeah. getting those systems in. Um, but this game with Idaloo and Roosevelt, um, like I mentioned, obviously another rivalry game. I think it'll be fun because you have two running teams yeah. who are so strong in that Um I give Idaloo somewhat the edge just because there's, they have so many different guys that can run the ball. Um, Roosevelt does too, to a certain extent, but when you look at it, you know, they're going to depend on Jacob a little more. Yeah. Um, Idaloo is super balanced and I'll actually be talking to coach Jeff Lofton about that um, in the next segment. So make sure you stay tuned for my interview with him, but it's just to that. It's really interesting. Um, the makeup of both teams in the fact that they are similar in a lot of ways, but then they're so different too. Um, and it's definitely one that I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah, I, man, we've been talking about this game for so long, it feels like. It literally feels like we've been talking about this game for, I swear, six or seven weeks. It, and maybe longer than that, honestly. Maybe the whole when, season. Really? When Roosevelt was like two or three and oh, I was like, man, that <laughs> Idaho game is going to be great. Uh, it is exciting that it's finally here. Um. And even talking to Roosevelt in the offseason, mm-hmm. they were talking about making history, getting back to the playoffs for the second time, I think only in like – it's like 35 or 40 years, only be the second – or the first time in that time, only the second time ever. But Roosevelt's locked that up now. They're going to the playoffs. Right. Um, but, but now I don't know if they've it. ever won a playoff game. See, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'll talk to Coach Landers about the I, – I think you might be right on that one. And now it's – it's just funny also that the last time they beat Idaloo was the year that Idaloo won the state championship 10 years ago was the last time Roosevelt beat Idaloo. So yeah. a lot of things working for both of those teams in that matchup. And it's just, it's, it really is such a fun rivalry. It's a fun game. It's so fitting that of course the last game of the year and so much is on the line. When you saw Cahoma and Roosevelt going out at this last year, you're like, man, Roosevelt really needs to pull this out. It yeah. really needs to be that head to head because otherwise Idaloo would have it now. Because right. even if they lost, they had the tiebreaker over Abernathy and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it, it, it's all for that. And it's just always fun when the district title is on the line and it's actually between the two teams in the game, Leveland and Estacado and Idaloo and Rosa. That, that is so fun. And honestly, Cooper and Ryder, um, yeah. early in the yeah. year, but it's kind of the same thing. I won't count Abilene Wiley just yet, but 
but you you would think it's going to be between Ryder and Cooper. Right. You you, because it's the odds that either one of those teams is going to lose, like the winner will lose twice. It seems like a long Mm -hmm. shot. Like you would not expect the winner of that game to lose two times. Um, so it's, it is just, it is a fun week. I agree with you. It seems like it's almost too packed. There's too many good games all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Idaloo Roosevelt has got to take the cake. I mean, they're right there with anybody. That is a very exciting, uh, very exciting. And I hope it lives up to it. I really hope that game is everything we've been anticipating it to be all season long. I think it will. I think we have two very dominant defenses going against some hard nosed offenses. Uh, that will just be so much fun to watch. Brock Leatherwood, a huge player for Idaloo, Ryan Lozano as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Owing the mold or the, the it should, we're just going to call it rivalry week. That's what I'm going to hashtag this podcast is rivalry week. Cause we also have sundown playing at new deal with yep. another big one. Yeah. Another right. big one. That's going to be big because Harley Patterson has really emerged as a good passer for new deal. I wasn't here when jet Whitfield was, but I almost say like just the, the caliber and accuracy that he's playing with right now, um, as far as his stats go anyway, just seems like he's doing really well. Kyler Reed is his main target. Um, but then sundown, Carson Holson can throw it and EJ Manuel can run it. Um, so you have a couple different things going on. And, and again, two very good defenses that I think will definitely grind that one out. Um, and then another huge one, another top 10 matchup, we have Motley at Dayton, which will be again for the district championship. That is so fun. God, That's going to be that game. That is that is so fun. That will be a very uh, interesting game because you have two pretty tradition-rich programs. Obviously, yeah. Motley County getting to state last year with Jake Richards, um, and then Dayton lost quite a few seniors. But I mean, it doesn't really. That's the thing about tradition is that you can lose players, but you just kind of reload. So um, you just carry that through and you have guys that step up, guys that learn the system and continue with that tradition like we talk about at Borden County. So that will definitely, like you said, I wish that game was closer so that we can at least have someone go and take pictures of it because I think it's going to be crazy. Uh, Jayton's like, what, two hours from here, I think? Uh, I think it's between like an hour and a half and two hours. I think – Two things you touched on that are very interesting. I honestly had forgotten about Sundown New Deal. That is a very underrated game because, yes, Post is running away with that district as we anticipated. But that two-seed versus three-seed matchup is very mm-hmm. interesting. How Where you get positioned in the bracket, that's a very big difference because right. you're going to be going up against another two or three-seed depending on what you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's just a lot of pride on the line there for both of those programs. Sundown wants to get back to that two-spot because they yeah. – you know, they were better than New Deal last year. If you look at the end of the year, you look how they each did in the playoffs – um, but New Deal, they're no strangers to winning that district, to being competitive yeah. in that district. Like, they they were in the state title two years ago. They were what mm-hmm. Post is now two years ago. Right. So I think that there's a lot of pride on the line. Like, I don't think it's a, oh, second place, we're the first losers to Post. Like, I think there's a lot of a lot of pride on the line for both of those programs. And Jayton Motley County, one of the craziest um, divisions has got to be 1A D2, where we have, I think, four or five teams ranked between two and eight Mm -hmm. and it's fun to see them go at each other and how it's going to be when Motley County goes against Jayton. That's going to tell us a lot about both of those teams because they both have have like one hiccup or so and they're both you know neither one's the top ranked team but they're both in that grouping and it's gonna be very interesting to see uh, how they match up because it's 
probably going to tell you a lot about each of those teams with the playoffs literally a week away. That's going to tell you a lot about those two teams. Um, so that is another great one. It's just, it, there are so many matchups late in the end. Obviously, kudos to the people that make the schedules. It's on purpose. You want those late season games right. to mean something. But, yeah, that is really exciting. The, the Jayden-Motley County game also sets people up for the playoffs quite a bit. Whoever wins that one, I'm not going to say is in the driver's seat for their state championship appearance, but they're very close. They're going to have yeah. an inside track for it. Well, especially when you look at uh, six-man. Six-man only has two playoff spots. The, the difference between, you know, first and second is the equivalent of first and fourth. Yeah. Um, 11-man, which is huge. You know, yeah. that, that differentiation is huge. So um, I definitely agree. I think there's a lot, of, a lot on the line uh, just as far as seeding and being able to do something with that seeding. Yeah. We also have a Coronado at Lubbock High this week. It's Lubbock High's first week back. We're back. The Westerners are back. I would say you'd hate for, like, the must – or, huh, if I can talk. You'd hate for the Westerners to start off with Coronado. But, I mean, honestly, who would you start with in that district? Like – I'm guessing they would – I'm guessing they would like to start with Monterey just because they're not as good as Tescosa, Amarillo, and – Coronado plus it's a rivalry game. Maybe that gets you more amped up to, you know, get out there and get a win. But yeah, it's still, tough. I mean, it's I know tough. Monterey's kind of slid a little bit, but they've still got some extremely talented players. No, they do. I think I'm just comparing it to the others in the district. Yeah, I get that's true. You could go against Palad. It's it's very similar. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Slayton was off for two weeks because of COVID. They come back and go on the road to post. Right. And now Lubbock highs off for two weeks. They get Coronado. I mean, that's just brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, you already are at a disadvantage playing that team, and now you get them after no football for you, – you will, they, will, they started practicing today, actually, is when they're back. Yeah. Um, but still, you get four days of practice compared to you've been done for about, I think, 16 days, if I'm doing the math correctly that's in my head. Yeah. That's a long time. And that's not enough time to get ready for Coronado, I'll tell you that. Well, especially when Coronado beat Paladero 70-6, that's a – that says a lot. And I'm guessing the six points was late against their twos. It, it was definitely late. I stayed the whole first half. It was not then. I can tell you that. Yeah. It, uh, it was not. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and again, Coronado they're – not a team that takes people for granted. They are, there's something to be said yeah. for that. They are more talented than Lubbock High. They're more talented than Odessa. They're more talented than Paladero. They're more talented than a lot of teams they're going to play. But what you don't see with this team – is they don't go into a game and say, we're more talented, um, we'll be up 14, just kind of coast. They keep the pedal to the metal mm-hmm. the entire game, and that's how they get these blowout games. Yeah. So it's not even a situation where it's like, well, maybe, you know, Lubbock High can maybe catch him off guard. I promise you, Coach Parr is not going to allow his team to take Lubbock High for right No, and I think it's a pride factor um, because I always – I keep – and I asked Coach Parr about this last week. I, I go back to last year where they very well could have – Honestly, if you look at it, been in the same situation. Yeah, they were working through some growing pains, but I don't think they would have had as many losses had they maybe taken things a little more seriously. Yep. Um, because, and they, I think it was an eye-opening experience for them because up until this point, I don't know if Coach Parr had had a season where he didn't win at least ten games. Close to it, yeah. Yeah, like nine or ten. They ended yeah. up. Winning, I think it was seven. Um, so I think that was a huge wake-up call. But the good thing is they were juniors. They were able to learn from it. They matured a lot. 
um, yeah. this offseason. And now you're seeing that. So, no, I don't think this team will ever, quote, unquote, have a game where they get overconfident. No. Thing like that. Um, no way. The nature of the team as well. I mean, you can't have an offense that, like they have and go slow. Like, you no. can't have that that type of deal. So the thing about a fast offense is you have to come out, (laughs) you have to come out fast. So for them to be able to do that, I mean, I, it's kind of, I think this now is having the makings of the larger school version of Idaho and Roosevelt. When you look at that last game against Tascosa. Yeah. At Dick Bivens, I might have to like buy something so I can go out there and watch that game. Um, It is a Thursday game though. So that kind of, you know, it's run it. You touched on it a little bit there, and I think what's interesting about Coronado is – now, this was probably the matchup with Palo Duro. don't want to read too much into it, but I would like to ask, ask Coach Parr. They were throwing down the field so much more than they – I mean, have since I've been here. I mean, it was mm-hmm. over and over. Some were dropped, some were incomplete, some were big gains. I bet in the first four drives, they looked deep down the field 10-plus times, which is not their offense usually. It's ding and dunks, take a couple shots a game, but generally it's – quick slants, little bubble screens, that kind of – they were going for it. And I'm very curious mm-hmm. if that was a matchup they saw with Paladero or if it was, hey, we have the guys this year. We yeah. have the big tar- the big targets um, to get down the field. And, and I say big targets. Even Eli Martinez is getting some of those targets down the field, and he's not a big guy. But um, you, you have Ferreira. Um, you have Taylor Stevens. Like, you have guys that – can go deep, and I, I'm curious if they are – if that if the offense is evolving into more deep passes. Maybe it was just against Paladuro, but if they are more comfortable throwing the deep ball, I think that's very interesting. So just a couple of stats for you. Shout-out to Coach Compton for sending those. Corey Ferreira averaged 24.33 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. Stevens averaged 19.25, and Eli averaged 14.57. Jordan Kelly, who I'm guessing came in a little later – Caught a touchdown and averaged 14 yards a catch. Will Boyle averaged uh, 9.25. <laughs> Kevondra Carr, who I always forget. So, Kevondra, if you're listening, yep. I'm so sorry. He averaged 38 yards a catch. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, was, it was happening where they just kept going deep. That, that, that matches up with the eye test right there. And I'm very curious to hear what uh, uh, Coach Parr has to say about that. Maybe it was just Paladuro, but it was noticeable how much more they were I, I can't wait to talk to Coach Parr about are they going to be more of a deep passing team or was this a Paladero matchup that they really liked? Because if they really are comfortable with going deep, that opens up the offense so much. And it's always been my number one critique of that team is Sawyer Robertson is a D1 guy for a reason. And I, in my opinion, I don't think they showcase his talents as much as they could. Now, it's not just about him. It is about the overall effectiveness of the offense. But in my opinion, the guy can throw deep. And he's shown that. And if they've added that, if they're confident with that, that is going to make this team so much more lethal to go along with their running and short passing. If they can add in the passes, they're deadly. I will say I don't think they'll try too much of that against Amarillo High. I'm just going to go on them and say that. But I'm very curious, what if they really thought they found something? Because they have bigger receivers than they have in the past, you know? So it's like maybe we trust those guys – to go up and not force a turnover. Even if it's incomplete, don't yeah. let it get picked. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll try some things, but um, 
you know, I I don't know. Maybe they saw something, like you said, that they liked against Paladero. Um, that was a good test to see what works and what doesn't. Um, but we'll just have to, to see yep. what we do this week. Some more time to go for uh, the bigger schools. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the last one, Hamlin at Lockney, should be a good game. Hamlin is ranked in Dave Campbell's top 10. They're actually number two right now. Lockney is still undefeated, but not ranked. Um, it's a game that – What's that about? Back a little bit. What's that about? Undefeated and you're not ranked hanging into the last game of the year. Like, I just – Are you going to start a, a chip on Lockney's shoulder now? I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know non-Lubbock teams well enough, especially on the lower levels. And I know they haven't had the toughest schedule in the world, but they are undefeated. So I just, yeah. I don't know. That just, uh, maybe there's a logical reason behind it. it. Just to me, that's pretty tough to be undefeated and not ranked this far into the year, you know? I mean, you do have, I mean, so Martin's number one in that district for, I mean, uh, that classification, obviously. Hamlin two, Wellington three, Windhorst, Windhorst four, Wheeler five. So, I mean, these are programs that are historically good. And it makes sense. It's just like, yeah. are they all undefeated? Are the, is the whole top ten undefeated? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> is the whole top ten undefeated? You're going you're gonna to start a, a campaign for, for Lockney now. Well, when, do you get, when do you get ranked? <laughs> like, do they still do rankings in the playoffs? So, like, what if they go to, like, the state quarters or something? Are they then like, – I just – Well, yeah, they'll probably rank them. <laughs> I just feel like they're getting shortchanged a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not even saying they hard to be. I'm just saying, if you're undefeated this far into the year, that is tough. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to do that, but, you know, whatever. I'm sure Coach, uh, Coach Ward will definitely appreciate that. But a lot of, like I said, a lot of just really good games this week. also want to shout out girls basketball that starts this week. We have a ton of good teams um, that looking forward to watching get started. We put out our preseason team. Um, and our preseason player of the year did a sort of Allie Blacklock who will be out this season with an ACL injury, um, but still looking forward to her learning. Let me guess the player. Let me guess. I do mm-hmm. not know. I actually do not know. So you mean to tell me you didn't read what was uh, the I should have. Usually I read on Sundays and Mondays. I get caught up on the week, see what stories are in there uh-huh. uh, on my off days. Uh, I know it's not Adley because she is hurt, obviously. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb. I do know you love Kelly Mora, but I'm not going to say it's her. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's Bree Bratton at Shellar. It was Bree Bratton. Okay. Kelly Mora will not be playing this season because Kelly has an ACL tear. Oh, we lost Kelly Mora and Adley. But good Lord. And Riley Cox from Trinity Christian as well. Yeah, Lee. Yeah. So there are a lot of – have Adley or Riley. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of girls are out, but they got Bonnie back. Bonnie you know, back. That's tough for Coach Bailey. His first yeah. year as the head coach, he doesn't have – Riley or Adley. Dang, yeah. man. But definitely look forward to, um, you know, speedy recoveries for them. A lot of good – we have a lot of good girls basketball teams in this area, and it's definitely yeah. going to be very fun to watch this season. Very underrated girls basketball in West Texas. Yeah, yeah. They'll definitely be looking to, to get on some radars this season and uh, get started this Friday. So thank you all so much for listening to another edition of the Bone Star Varsity Podcast. You stay tuned. You can hear me talk to Idaho coach Jeff Lofton, who is actually on the Zoom call now. I got to switch over and, and talk to him. So this will legitimately be in order of talking to Ryan and then talking to Coach Lofton. So hang on for that. And thanks for listening.
And welcome back to the second segment of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm joined by Idaho coach Jeff Lofton. Coach, this year has been really, really special for you guys. I joke it's that 10-year state championship magic that you got going on a little bit. Uh, what's it been like for you to just kind of watch the season unfold with just everything considered? Well, you know, it's a, there's a ton of things to talk about um, with cancel, from cancellations to just uh, mainly I think the biggest thing is our, our seniors and our players. Uh, they've, they've looked forward to this for a long time. They've put in a ton of work. Um, and I think you and I talked about it earlier in the year over – over being shut down, we we logged about 4,000 workouts in uh, 39 days with all of our athletes, and that's uh, that's no small number. Uh, and it, it takes a lot of dedication to go ahead and do that when you have zero equipment. You you know we're doing a lot of body weight stuff, uh, but those guys were dedicated from the get go. Um, I thought those guys. Uh, we played really young last year because of injuries and because of a smaller senior class. But I mean, I think that always pays off in the long run if you can keep keep after it and keep healthy. You mentioned the workouts, and I had forgot about it until you said that. You had some Twitter uh, posted some Twitter videos of, of doing some workouts. Uh, talk to me about that and what kind of inspired that. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, to me, you got to get it out there so those guys can see it. Um, and it's one of those, it's one thing to, for me to post a workout, but also, you know, those guys also got to see, see what you're talking about because a lot of this stuff that's body weight, um, they hadn't seen before. Uh, we had done a few things, but you know, a lot of times when you're in the weight room, you're dealing with equipment. And so, uh, I just, uh, yeah, and people can laugh at me all you want, but I, I thought, hey, the best the best way to do it is for me to get out there and put it on tape and video it and demonstrate it and uh, post it. And that's uh, – we had an exercise database, and that's uh, that's what we went off of. So it, it was fun. It, it was uh, – it helped me through some of that stuff, uh, through the shutdown, because you get so – pinned up and there's nobody to coach and I can coach video camera just as well as I can coach a kid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So then you come into the season um, and you keep winning, you know, you get a win over Abernathy, come into district. Um, or I'm sorry, you have Abernathy in district. You beat a lot of good teams, um, including Abernathy, like I mentioned. Now this one against Roosevelt, which is, I'm told a rivalry between you guys. I guess what's been the most exciting part about just the way the guys have played? Because like I said, we see the record, but you're actually seeing them every day kind of making those progressions. Sure. You know, just the dedication and discipline. The the uh, the Those guys have a great attention to detail. Um, on days, on weeks where, you know, you're going in and three days into it, you, you get a team that decides, hey, we can't play due to COVID. Uh, they stayed really focused through that. We, uh, you know, we take a day to adjust and basically scrap what you'd been doing for the first three days and turn your attention on next week. And a lot of teams um, will possibly think that the next two days are days off. Uh, and these guys really, uh, our coaches and our kids, stayed focused and worked really hard to go ahead and move on to that next that next day. And I mean, like I said, you see the undefeated record and you go out and you know, you're 
getting large margins of victories, but just that mental aspect of it. How big has that been maybe compared to past years where, you know, you don't have to deal with COVID and hopefully we'll have to deal with that again next year. Right. Right. It's, it's really big. It's a, you know, it's a testament to their hard work. Um, You know, we talk about, you know, those guys, those seniors set, specific goals on the year, um, you know, things like wanting to break scoring records. And, and um, you know, we talk really hard here about, you know, it's it's defense that's going to let you allow you to break scoring records, because if you can if you can limit the opponent's uh, touches on that ball, it gets your offense the ball back. Of course, you know, we're all the same as far as you see a whole lot of our uh, starters that are on offense starting on the same side uh, in, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And so, you know, it, they take pride in that and they're they're working really hard to create turnovers and to, uh, to uh, get three and outs and uh, get the offense the ball back so they can go to work. Brock Leatherwood has been one of those guys. What have you just seen from him in particular? Brock's a workhorse. Uh, he does a great job. Uh, he's always been a great linebacker for us. Uh, and this year he's he's really shining as a fullback. Uh, not that he hasn't in years past, but uh, he's really started to, to uh, figure out the reads uh, and uh, – his work ethic that he's always had is, is very much paying off for him this year. And you have multiple guys on offense because you also have, you know, Ryan Lozano, uh, Jared, Jack. How have you seen or in what games have you seen just that having that depth and that variety pay off the most? It, it seems like all those big games, you know, especially, you know, when you look at like an Abernathy game, um, you know, they're, they're a good defensive team. Um, and you know that if you have just one feature back, that you're they're eventually going to b- figure out a way to to kind of take him away, take him out of the game. But uh, when you have when you have fullbacks, you can get the ball to, or when you have a quarterback that can also uh, you know as kind of a dual threat run pass option type kid uh, and receivers that are working hard blocking and able to catch the big pass. Uh, it makes it makes a big difference. And who else have you maybe seen uh, just play a big part in maybe leadership or on the field? Our offensive linemen, uh, as a whole, those guys are the greatest, you know, and, and our, our backs and receivers would say the same thing about them. They, they, you know, there's no true offensive line stat, you know, a pancake, that's kind of a made up deal. Right. But, uh, those guys live for it. Uh, they live to see, you know, Russian records broken. They live to see that quarterback taken care of, uh, they're such a great group of kids and hard workers, just like all all these guys are. But, you know, I just – I love to praise those guys because they don't get the, you know, 14 carries for 115 yards. That, yeah. that, that is what makes that work. But uh, they don't get their name in the paper near as much. So, you know, I just want to shout out to those big guys because they do a whole lot of good for us. Yeah, the unsung heroes. That's right. Yeah, definitely. Then when you, I mean, you move forward this week, they'll have a huge challenge in that Roosevelt line. What are you just looking at in that matchup? You know, they're uh, they're well coached and they they're getting better at what they do every week. Um, Coach Landers has done a, done a great job with them. Um, I think 
you know, with Roosevelt, it's one of those uh, games for our defense that uh, we're, we're telling our guys, you can't get tired of doing your job because they run that Navy, Air Force, Army-style triple option. And if for one second you get tired of tackling that fullback and that's your job, and maybe that fullback ain't carried the ball all game, the second you don't tackle the fullback because that's your responsibility, the fullback's going to go you know, 60 yards for a touchdown. Uh, same thing with the pitch man, same thing with the quarterback. And so, you know, we're really focused on just be, be disciplined and take care of your job and don't get tired of taking care of your job. And uh, so, you know, we're working very hard on that this week. Um, you know, as far as offensively, you know, they're, they're I think they're a much improved defense. Uh, they're pretty aggressive, and uh, we're going to work on staying on blocks and uh, working, uh, you know, trying to get a, a you know, four-yard mentality out of our backs, uh, trying to fall forward and, and not panicking if you don't pop a, you know, 40-yard run, you know, just work on being methodical and just like, you know, what we know we can do. You guys had the forfeit to Regan County. Is it Reagan or Regan? I said Regan. Reagan County. Reagan. They forfeited okay. up to us. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So do you feel like just in terms of preparation, I guess, how do you process Because some people think it's good for, like, getting, you know, injuries and that sort of thing taken care of, but then it's bad because you want to stay on the field, especially with you guys, you know, being undefeated. How, I guess, did you process that unexpected bye week? You know, uh, that's our third unexpected bye week. So by now, I think we're we've kind of got a little bit of a system down. That first bye, that, that first unexpected bye week against Brownfield, uh, I made sure and take a lot of notes on how we approached the rest of the week and uh, the the tweaks we had to make. Um, the adjustments to practice, the adjustments to the volume of practice we're going to have the rest of the week, but also, you know, making sure that you kind of try to get some game speed simulation in there somewhere because you're losing a game uh, and also some game speed conditioning in there because, you know, it's like I tell the kids, you're never going to be as tired as you are, in, you know, in a real game. And so it's hard to simulate that in practice. And uh, yeah. we tried really hard to do so. But uh, by the time Reagan County came up last week, we had had two kind of go arounds with uh, having an open week unexpectedly. And I felt like, you know, we transitioned pretty seamlessly and got about three good days in. Yeah, they'll come in, like I said, against Roosevelt. Um, they had a gritty win against Coahoma last week. They do have the loss to Abernathy. How much, I guess, just knowing the way that you guys played at Abernathy and Oklahoma, do you look at that film in particular to know how to game plan? Well, you know, obviously you you, you look at it all, and then particularly you look at uh, our game film against them last year on, you know, how they're going to look to attack our defense. Uh, but, yes, as far as, you know, looking at Abernathy and, you know, I know – how hard those guys work to to get wins uh that's important but we don't ever look at scores you know as far as that's concerned you know abernathy uh, had a good game against roosevelt but we don't think this will ever be a cakewalk you know i don't look at look at abernathy and say well we beat those guys by this much and then they beat roosevelt so this 
it's that's not how we play. It's yeah. it's uh, this week is very important. We know it's going to be a fight, and we better show up to go. And uh, that's what we're preaching to these kids. Yeah, you. It's all up to this point. You know, you go undefeated. You have a chance at being the sole possessor of the district championship. Is considering the kind of year it's been, what would that mean, and how I guess just refreshing would that be to to be the one to hoist that that championship at the end? Well, there's there's no feeling like hosting the district championship trophy. Um, you know, it's it's been a while. You know, it's been since 2015 since we've done so. Uh, but like we talked about at the beginning of the year, it's expected every year here, and that's what we expect uh, out of our kids every year here. Um, but yes, that would be very uh, a very uh, good start, and that's what I tell these guys. It's a start. Now it it does uh, solidify one of our major goals uh, if we can get that done. But it's also the beginning of the next phase, and uh, you know it's gold it's gold ball season, and uh, we need to get the first one taken care of, and then uh, get on a roll in the playoffs. Yeah. Ranked top 10 undefeated with a chance to win a district title. Not a bad place to be at. That's You're right. Yes, ma'am. Sounds good. We'll be looking forward to that game this Friday. Coach Lofton, thank you so much for your time. Yes, ma'am. No problem. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. <laughs>